1: a Bible book that many of you seem to have palpitations about. And so, I want us to go to the book of Revelations. Revelation. That's someone besides, say you are a revelation. revelation. Maybe that will calm everyone down. Revelations in chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 14 to verse 20, the Amplified. To the angel, divine messenger of the church in Laodicea writes, these are the words of the Amen, the trusted and faithful and true witness, the beginning and the origin of God's creation. These are the words of Jesus? why? Right. why? Right. This is the words of Jesus. Now, this is what he's saying to this church. I know your deeds that you are neither cold, invigorating, refreshing, nor hot, healing and therapeutic. I wish that you were cold, or you are all hot. So, because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless. I like these verses because sometimes when I say things like stupid and foolishness, they feel I'm cursing. It's in the Bible. He says, you are spiritually what? Yes. Now, talk to me. But when I said you're in Revelation, you shouted. He says, because you are lukewarm, you are spiritually yes. And neither hot nor cold. I wanted to do this today, but I thought I should have messy. I just wanted to go. It says, I will vomit you out. So I wanted to get a bowl. And I I thought people would just think, what church is this? It says, so, but it says, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. Because you say, this is what you say. I'm rich. I have prospered. Grown wealthy. I have need of nothing. I don't need the church. I don't need anyone. And you do not know that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, without hope and in great need. He says, this is what he says. He says three things there. He says, I cancel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich. Number two, and white clothes representing righteousness to clothe you so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. Number three, and healing salves to put on your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline. Showing them their faults and instructing them. He says, so be enthusiastic and repent. Change what? What? Your inner self, change what? Your old way of what? Thinking. Your sinful what? Behavior. Seek God's will. He says, behold, somebody told me this, he says, he says, be careful in this day and age, don't read too many scriptures. I said, in which church? Behold, I stand at the door of the church. Worship tabernacle. And continually knock. If If anyone hears my voice. And opens the door. I will come in. And eat with him. Restore him. And he with me. Listen to me. I tried to read. Or I tried to read the Bible once a year. Once a year. Over the last 10 years, I, I read through the entire Bible. Just once a year. Uh, and sometimes I successfully finish probably around September side. Because sometimes I follow this Bible plan and sometimes the chapters are too, too small. Especially if I'm reading the book of Job. I want to read the book of Job. You should read the book of Job twice. Just one from chapter 1 to 20. One go. And then 20 to the end. If you read it three chapters a day it's done or even too much where you're hearing the same horror. So just read it through. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I, 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 I try to do that. Um, and I've been very successful because I read sometimes in the New Old Testament, New Testament Psalms and all that. It's just a salad of scriptures that I was able to go through through a year. This year, I found myself going through it, and I finished the Bible in the month of May. I was like, so what am I going to do with myself? So I decided, I said, I'm going to do something different. I am going to read the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Not pick, just, just go through the entire Bible. Nice! Very good. So I enjoyed reading Genesis. I absolutely did. Read Genesis. Then I hit the 25th chapter of the book of Exodus. Which... Where came, making room for the king. But the point is that I read chapter 25, chapter 26, chapter 27, chapter 28, chapter 29, and all the way to chapter 40. For almost 15 chapters, Moses goes on. and on, and on, and on, describing the temple and God's tent, the place his presence would dwell while his people journeyed through the wilderness. So technically, Moses would say, he would describe this part and then describe the stem two 5 cubits, 25 cubits. I don't know was, what is cubits. And then he would describe this in detail, how it is green, but pointed, but yet there's, it is wrapped round, and while it's wrapped round, there's this kind of green that you need to have, then he will go on to this, then he will go on to the petals, then he will go on and on, and he went on for 15 chapters, 15 chapters, anyone Has anyone, have you done, have you read that before, 15 chapters of the wall, of the tabernacle, of the whole thing. To me, that seems like too many chapters to spend on the tabernacle. So, I began skimming through it. You know, I just... Okay, chapter 26. Mm, 28. eh? Let's just like, let's get through this thing. Let's get to the real thing. And I did that until I hit these verses in the last chapter of the book of Exodus. What does it read? Exodus 40:33 to 35. It says, "Then he hung the curtains from the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtains at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord Filled the tabernacle. It says Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What? The penny dropped. I'm like, suddenly, all the descriptions, all the instructions made sense to me. I hadn't understood why Moses spent so much time describing the tabernacle until I read how God's presence filled the space when it was all done. Then I got it. It took work, Husha. it took work and skill to build a suitable place for God to fill. Only after God's people made room for him, then and only, did God fill it with his presence. Which dropped in my life. If God could use 15 chapters to just describe the nails, just describe the stones, just describe the curtains, Just describe the building and specifically like an architectural guru talk about what width, what length, what height, what depth he wants. God just said to Moses, I don't take anything less than the best. And God said, if you can't build your life according to my excellence and expense, I can't feel it. Many of you, they are just want God to fill your life with your idols. Don't say I, I, I don't do that. In fact, in one point he said, says, "Bring me stones that has not been carved, that has not been chiseled." You know, God showed me that. He says, "He says, he says, he says, he says to me, he says, Ty, I want you to come to me." Oh, i have just gone so ahead, three weeks ahead from what I want to talk about. Maybe this will bless the second service. God was saying to me, he "says Ty, I want you to come to me." not reformed by man just by me the i i I don't want the world to deform you inform you change you no i want you to come where to me in such a way that no chisel has touched your body meaning no one has touched your self-esteem Meaning no one has distorted your minds. Meaning no one has made you according to their image. I want you to come the way you are, because if you don't come the way you are, I can't fill you in. No stone. I don't want no hammer to touch you. I don't want the wall to beat you into a pulp and then you serve me according to your experience. (laughs) Oh God, oh God. I just missed someone somebody up there. God is saying, ah, I don't, I don't compete with man. Besides me, there ain't no other God. I'm God by myself. Like me or leave me. When I say this is what I want, it is what I want. It's not what you want. It's not what the world says they want. It is what I want. I know this is not a popular message. But if you're looking for 25 steps to get into business, go to a business school. The church where I'm fed up of the church. Talking about what you should go and spend money upon in church. We speak about Jesus Christ. His anointed and his power. Take it or leave it. We talk too much rubbish. Too much nonsense. Too much spiritual uselessness. If there's anything like that. Tell me how to, tell me how to win. Win what? You only win in Christ. Simple. There's no other thing. There's no other Bible except Jesus Christ. Everything comes converges to Jesus Christ. He was spoken about in the Old Testament. He was spoken about in the, in the prophetic words. He was spoken about in the New Testament. So what exactly do we want to speak about? You? No! He says, you got to come to me. Not because you want an anointing. It doesn't work. you got to come to me because I have to do what I need to do in your life. Are you getting bored? That's nice. (sighs) Let's go back to this revelation that everybody is so afraid to read. In the book of Revelation chapter 17, let's tie this together. Let's tie this together to what God wants. When you read the Bible, you understand? When you read the Bible, this is the Bible in an iPad. But when you read the Bible, you've got to read the Bible from the historical point of view, the geographical point of view, and know who he was speaking about. Then you will have a kind of idea. You will find out how accurate the Bible is. God spoke about the Ladocians. Now, there is only one historical fact that seems to have bearing upon this letter. Laodosia was the chief city of Phygia. An extremely wealthy and prosperous city. You know he was speaking to the church in Laodicea. You understand? It was the worst church. Are you following what I'm saying? So he was speaking to this church because this church had become the city. Mm. The church was prosperous. The church was wealthy because the city was doing well. The city, some of you need to pray. Say, God, give me money. To go to Israel because when you go to Israel, your eyes will open to some of these things that I'm talking to you about because you will go to some Asian places and know how they actually traded. 2021, someone say 2021, it's your time, it's your time, it's your time. So, the, the, the Ladosia stood in the highway of three important routes. So, before you can go to another city, you pass through La, La, Ladosia. So, Ladosia was the place of trading. I'm going somewhere, please, bear with me. This is Bible study on a Sunday. So this place, this city, was a city of enormous wealth. But the city had three particular things to it. Every city is connoted by something. Are you following what I'm saying? the united kingdom london is cosmopolitan so you know you find different languages different things in there if you go to uh new york new york is a financial center you understand you know as a financial center uh, money is exchanged and all that kind of stuff if you go to los angeles something happens there uh, let me not talk about that one uh but, but, but every city is known for it even there are places in England, that is known for where they are. You speak Peckham, Brixton, uh, Highgate. You know, you, something comes through your mind. Now, this city in those days had three things working for them. Number one, it was a financial and banking center. It was like uh, a Canary Wharf. You understand? Or Fleet Street. You understand? Banking center. Number two, it was a clothing manufacturing center. Like Paris. Are you following what I'm saying? So, that, that was all. So, imagine you have got Fleet Street or Canary Wharf and you've got Paris uh, and it was also known for, it, it was, there was the best medical eye school was in that city, like Moffield. If anything happens to your eyes, the best place to go to is Moffield. So, you have Moffield, you have Paris and then you have Canary Wharf or New York City Almost in one city. One city was that rich that he had all of that working for them. And the church was there. And God said to the church. As he's speaking to us in worship Tabernacle. He's saying, you're poor. How do you say you're poor when you're in a rich environment? He says you're poor. The Greek word there was protokos. Meaning... There was nothing to them. In God's eyes, they were spiritually poor. He said, three things are working for you. Finance, clothing, and a famous medical school. Three things are working against you. You are poor. (laughs) He said, secondly, you're blind. Toughness. Toughness means they could see only what was in the world money, and human ability and effort. And then thirdly, you are naked. You are naked. What he said to them is that they failed to see the need for the righteousness of Jesus Christ as in reference to those three major things that are working for them. Pastor, what are you saying? Jesus was saying to them as he is saying to us today even through that testimony, that I am the maker and the sustainer of the universe. Therefore, he, God is the source of all good things, all real wealth, all satisfaction, all purpose, all meaning, all significance in life all joy. He is the creator and the sustainer of all peace, all persons experience, no matter how much the church or you prosper. It is, you are not the creator, you are not the sustainer. Only Christ creates and sustains the church wealth and prosperity is meaningless and useless apart from the fact that it has to absolutely be earned in Christ. And you know, listen, listen, listen. What happened to the church and what happened to us is often among believers, we equate wealth and prosperity with spirituality. They carry wealth into their spiritual life. They confuse prosperity and material blessings with spirituality and spiritual blessings. And this is the reason why I've said this over and over again. God's blessing is not money. God's blessing is not a good car or a Louis Vuitton shoe. God's blessing cannot... It is is a monumental idiocracy for you to compare God's blessing to a car for you to equate God's blessing to a job when unbelievers don't pray to God and they get it it is it is it is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is madness for the church to feel that I'm blessed as a pastor by the car I drive the the the, the car I drive the 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 car I drive that thing that you drive it is, it is, it is an abysmal failure for us to think that our blessing is in the worldly wealth when the car can even kill you. So if it wasn't for the angels that said to that car, stop. The sister said she don't, didn't know how she got into the car because money cannot buy protection. It can buy a bodyguard, but it cannot protect your heart. The angel of death bypassed all the protection in the land, in the house of Pharaoh and still killed the boy. And you think that money is a sign of our spirituality. That's why you came for the anointing. Because you want the anointed to go into the office, demote someone and promote you. And then you say, ha ha, ha ha, I've got the anointing. The anointing that was upon Esther wasn't for her to eat good food. The anointing was for her to deliver. That's the blessing. And Jesus was saying to this church, you are hot. You are not hot. You are not cold. Because if you were hot, they could use the hot to bathe. Wash yourself. I can't use it cold, I, could have, I would have been able to drink it when it's hot. I can't drink it. You're lukewarm. Has anyone drunk lukewarm water? No, 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 no. no. In a very hot environment. Have you ever got into your car and there's a bottle of water that you left overnight and then you quickly pick it up and you drink a ya yeah. No, even a Coca-Cola, which you shouldn't be drinking, but let's just say that. Uh, there that even a Coca-Cola or Pepsi or any kind of drink. Don't sue me. I'm talking about all the drinks. Uh, Fanta. Sprite. Uh, uh, right. Uh, please, please help me. Uh, seven up. Uh, anything. So you don't sue me. I'm not picking one person up. But you just have one of those fizzy drinks. That's the right one. Fizzy. You have the fizzy and you want to have a fizzy in drinking it. And then you suddenly pick it up like you had it the following day and you put it in your mouth and it is warm. You know, immediately. And many of us are in charge because we think that it is our clothes that say we are blessed. Look at the three things. I haven't even gone into my message. I'll stop wherever I need to stop. Look at what Jesus, Jesus said they should do. He says, you need to buy three things from me. Number one, spiritual gold. (laughs) He says, gold represents spiritual richness. All the richness inherited in Christ and offered by Christ. He said, all the spiritual things that make life rich and overflowing. Love, joy, peace, goodness, faith, assurance, confidence, security, and hope. That is what you should buy. That's what I'm offering you. Note that the material possessions and wealth cannot give these things. Money cannot give you joy. It can give you a house. It won't give you joy. It won't give you a home. Money can get you a Amani bed. There is an money bed. I went to someone's house and I saw an Amani bed. Am I right? Was what, what, no, no, it Gucci, Amani? Versace! Okay, okay. Why are you looking at Daniel? I was just wanted him to tell me. I don't know what bed he has. But it's a Vataki Vatashi. He can give you a Vatashi bed. He won't give you a Vatashi sleep. He won't. When trouble troubles you, the bed itself won't sleep. God is saying what you need to buy is not the bed. Because you can sleep on the floor with a stone that is a pillar. Ah! And heaven will start speaking to you. And you will make progress. Because when Jacob was running, he did not find a vasachi bed. All he could find was a stone. How do you make a stone a pillar? Ah! It is not where I sleep. It is who I sleep in. Ah, that makes the difference. And many of you are sleeping in the wrong place. Oh! It, you... And give you joy. Guys, your car may attract Jezebel and keep Jezebel. Where else your foot was let these bends, can walk into your destiny and find the right woman. Because my wife, I found her, if I was driving a car I would miss my destiny I would have picked a fool up in the next passenger seat and remained a fool for the rest of my life what gave me that I was coming from the house of God that's where I made room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. keep going to the bar I just go in him, and shake it I keep thinking that riches cannot keep a person healthy money cannot keep a person healthy we had a help a scare in our house. I took my wife to the hospital. And when they were messing around, I said, I want to take her private. And the guy said, she's coming back here. That with your private, I'm still the one who's going to deal with her. Maybe on this same bed. It won't keep you. Healthy. What we're running after that is not creating room for the king. God wants 15 minutes of your life. 15 months of your life, 15 years of your life so that he can create room. I hear some people, oh, I'm 50 now. I'm 40 now. I I really just need to take a step back. When do you want to die? (laughs) Because I'm 50. my, My father is 80. So if I retire from God's work at 50, so the rest of the 30 years of my life is meaningless. Are you all right? God says, I want to trade spiritual gold. L- 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 listen, listen So the next thing He says, spiritual clothes. Did you see that? In in in, in Revelation, He said, He said to them, He says, You got to come to me. He says, I cancel you to buy from me gold and white clothes. God says, What I want to give you is not a Gucci, it's not an Amani. Uh, uh, Christ is telling us no matter how much clothing that these Ladocians manufacture, they lack the real clothing. What the church needs is a spiritual clothing. Do you realize that your clothes means nothing? What you need is the light of God. Your clothes means nothing. God, God is saying to us that if you are clothed in righteousness... Then you have a place with me on the table. This is, many of us think that our fasting moves God. Fasting. Fasting means absolutely nothing. Pastor, ah, and then you took me through a whole one week of fasting. I, I took you there because of your distractions. Fasting makes me focus on God, it deadens hopefully the flesh. You won't fast and be sleeping around. Hopefully. So while you're fasting, you have a purpose in mind. But that fasting is not what you will use to bribe God or change God's mind. He like, eh? He even talked about the fasting. He says, what kind of fast are you doing? He says, the fast that I'm looking for is not the fast where you go, off a hung, where you go on a hunger strike. The fast I'm looking for is for you to help the poor. He's looking for works of righteousness, not things that will try to twist the arm of God. I'm fasting because I'm believing God for that man. Are you all right? God says your fasting means nothing. You know, many people come to church and they feel that my church attendance is righteousness, my prayer is righteousness. All that is filthy rags in front of God. Whether I pray or I don't pray, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Oh, some people have found that a bit difficult. My righteousness is not by my works. I do good works by the clothes of righteousness on the inside of me. I am righteous because Jesus paid the price. And so the Laodiceans was getting money, paying money. Somebody will come in and give. You know you can give to, to be recognized. I remember a pastor who said, I gave this amount of money. He got me a seat on the table with one of these big, massive, popularly known ministers in the world. I'm like, really? So the Church of God is now a business place. Which, even though it's not that high level, but even here, oh, I'll meet you in church, we'll discuss the business. In church. I'll meet you in church, we'll do the deal. I saw a pastor, I was sitting down, about to go in, he was signing documents of a land he was buying. In church. That's the last time I was there. What are we doing? We're turning the church of God into a merchandise. You walk into church. Oh, I can't go to that church because, you know, I don't have clothes to wear. You know, uh, uh, they, they, they dress, dress this kind of. W- 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 w-. It's not those who are dressing up that is a problem. It is you. You know why it is you? Because your focus is on those who are wearing the clothes. And many of them are in debt. I come to serve God. I didn't come to serve and look at your shoes. I stop walking down the aisle when all of us are seated. We've seen you. Okay, sit down. <laughs> I like to dress well. I, I just, I just, I just, I have the money. I've been poor. Very poor. My first perfume I've ever had, or cologne, let's use the right word, was when I was 26. in my entire life, and now you tell me that I can't go to suffrages and buy what I want to buy. You will kill yourself. I will buy anything. <laughs> but that doesn't make me. That doesn't. It, it means nothing to me. My car, my clothes means absolutely nothing to me. It, it is not what it means. I have told one guy. I said, can you come to my house and just clear the wardrobe? He clears the wardrobe. God we feel it. When you make room, he will feel it. But the problem is not the person just of The problem is you. You are coming because you feel intimidated because of a clothes. Has anyone done this before? I've done it before. I walked into the shop. I said, can I wear this? I looked at the clothes. I put it on. It looked very nice. This is where I will go to my soul's passion, spot, which is eyesight. I, I looked at it and said, this clothes is nice. What I didn't understand was the light. There are two things that walk against you when you buy clothes. One, the lights are always dim. They don't blight. And the mirror they put there will always make you look better. Have you, ever, have, you, have you ever got mirrors in the house that when you look in one, you look nice, but when you look in another, it just doesn't look the same way you looked. in? So they put mirrors that will make you shrink and look nice. I walked into a shop, bought something, came out, somehow it beeped, so I had to go back I have to take off the tag, walked out and just let me even see hopefully there's nothing, here. I open it and then looked at the thing and ah, uh, this didn't look like what I bought so I went back to and I said, this is not the he says it is, he says it's just the light I said uh, can I get my money back <laughs> this said, "Sir, we can give you a voucher I said no house of Fraser messed me up, no no vouchers, no gift cards. I don't want, I want my money. Your light deceived me. I want my money. Clothes. You get home, you wear the thing. After one week, you find out it's too small. You now say, I'll keep it in my wardrobe until I lose. But you still keep gaining. And it's still in there. And you, you, but when you went out for that, you call it retail. Therapy. when you went out for that retail therapy you thought you were there God is saying your clothes can't save you it is when I clothe you with righteousness that you have a place at the table someone shout righteousness I know people they don't preach this in church but you will hear this many people think it's by prayer that you're righteous come and ask me prayer warrior You know, I pray. There was a time I used to pray three, four hours. And there's nothing wrong with it. But there's something wrong with my attitude. In fact, I so much learned how to speak in tongues that I had different languages for different problems. (laughs) The language will just change. One day, I finished praying for three hours. I walked out of my prayer closet like, yeah. no weapon formed or fashioned again I walked out proud instead of walking out humble I walked out proud like I have prayed three hours beat that and God is saying do you know that you could have spent three minutes and I could have answered your prayers it's God against long prayers no I pray long but I'm not praying long to justify myself before God because I'm his righteousness either way. I may not be where I am, but the Bible says I'm changing into his image because I look at Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my what faith so even if i stumble i'm still looking at you i will call to him i may not be where i am but he is changing me and while i'm changing doesn't mean i'm not righteous and doesn't mean that god won't bless me and god is saying you will perish with your wealth you will perish with the anointing if you do not recognize that all of this means nothing going from one church to one church, running from one place to one place, don't you rest? Don't you need rest? What are you doing? My wife once told me when we were believing God for a child, uh, Auntie Karen, Dr. Karen, Sister Karen, uh, uh, (laughs) she said to me, oh, my friend just got pregnant. They got pregnant, but they went to this big church, this massive church, said we should go. I said, honey, the problem I have with that is that if we go and you get pregnant, that means every single issue in church that we pray for and nothing happens, we need to turn them. So, which is the God I'm serving? Sab- Am I serving a God of man or not? And then you know your pastor, then I go and do my journalistic investigation. I went to investigate the church. I typed in the head man there. You know we were praying for a child, isn't it? I found out. That people, yes, were praying. Yes, people were getting delivered. Yes, people were getting children. But he, who was the head pastor, had to wait for 15 years, a church of over a million, before God could bless him with a child. So I said, babe, let's read. Say what? Say read together. Ready? Steady go. He waited uh for 50 years. What's your problem? So the anointing that is upon my life is not for me. It's not because I'm righteous that I'm a pastor. I may still face the same trouble and problems you face. My righteousness is not based on my problem. My problem is indicative of the righteousness of Christ because Jesus could not have been crucified if his righteousness was based on him having everything working well for him. And lastly, number three, he talked about spiritual eyesights. He says, you've got to come to me so I can give you spiritual eyesights." It is not how you see yourself, but how does God see you? God was saying that the church was so good with themselves. And even we can get into the area in watch the tabernacle. Good church. God is moving. Young people are here. We are doing well. You're not doing well. Who marked your script? Is God pleased with us? Have we created enough room for the king to dwell in the place? And sometimes the greatest problems we have is when we start to look to ourselves. We start to look to ourselves and we start to say, I've done this right, I've done this right. Husbands and wives are fighting. Couples are fighting. Issues are happening because we look to ourselves and say, I'm doing well, you are the problem. Therefore, there is no wisdom that comes. No understanding that comes. While we are looking and fighting each other, the devil is coming in. And that's why God says that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. Yeah. Ephesians chapter 1, 17. The eyes. Of your understanding, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight, so you may grow in the knowledge. No, 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 no. New King James, New King James, give me another one, New King James. Yeah, I, I love the New Living Church but the New King James has that punch, that that, that kind of words Give it to me when you're ready, or I should find it myself. Give it, give it, give it to me when you're that. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father God, may give you the spirit of wisdom. And revelation in the knowledge of him. Give me 18. Give me 18. Quickly, quickly. Our time has gone. Give me 18. 18. Jesus. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So, listen to me. If I keep looking at myself, I will see the problem. If I keep looking at God, I will see the solution. So, when God wanted to bless Jacob... He didn't bless Jacob because of the woman he married. He blessed Jacob. He says, open your eyes and see. When these two lambs come together, put this in front of them. May God give you spiritual insight. Because what you're fighting about is not worth fighting about. When God gives you spiritual insight, when I pray, I'm asking God, God, what are you saying? I'm fed up of prayer that is meaningless. Because when I pray, I'm saying, God, Open my eyes of understanding. Because when my eyes are opened, I will see the right woman. When my eyes are open, I will see the right man. When my eyes are open, I will see the right job. When my eyes are open, I will see the right place. Because everything I'm doing is in Christ. When God wanted to bless Solomon, Solomon, God had to open his eyes. When God wanted to bless Jacob, God had to what? Open his eyes. God is asking us that what you're looking at, you will die. I did this in the first service, but I'm not sure if they have the, the, the tape. Want the tape, because most of the time, we are looking at ourselves. I'm fighting car because I don't like car. So we get into a fight without knowing that the devil is coming. And I saw this yesterday. Can we run it? Or should I use some human beings as an example? C-c-c- bring it up. Look at those heads. Look at those heads. Look at, look at, look at these ones fighting. Look at this one. Look at this one. Seeing those ones are fighting each other. See. Look at what will happen. Did you see them on? You saw someone. You saw. But they were fighting each other. Because they, they are looking at themselves. Look at what's happening. Danger is coming. The devil is coming against your family. The enemy is coming. Principal sickness is coming. They are still fighting each other. And they're not seeing. And bam. The light goes out. The lion. So, Daniel and I can be fighting each other, having a tug of war, while the issue is not us, mm. it's the enemy that is coming. Mm. You are fighting your spouse, having a tug of war, without realizing that your children are taken. Because your eyes are not open. Your eyes are only open because you've got the car, you've got the house, you've got the mortgage. You don't realize that the fight is not against flesh and blood. Ah. Yeah. May God open your eyes Your fight. It's not against things that are around, yeah, yeah, yeah. but against principalities and powers of yeah. darkness. So God is saying, Come to me, so I can give you spiritual gold, spiritual clothes, and spiritual eyes, which means wisdom. Because your money will not sort this out. I-Sals, the NHS, what a wonderful institution! But they're struggling. I managed to have two or three months or one year of their blessing. And that In One day when I was sick, the doctor came to my house. Ducky, do you go to houses anymore? Really? She said that word, really. Nowadays, in my own surgery, they say, before you can book an appointment, all of us should call at 8 a.m. All. <laughs> of us should call at what time? 8 a.m. Who will get through? And then I'll call you are number 25 <laughs> in the queue. Because ladosia had the best medical school, God was saying, you're looking to them. Even though with your glasses, you're still blind. Because this can only see up to there. But spiritual eyesight will take you 10 years into your future. And you will know exactly where you are. Spiritual wisdom will allow you to hook up with light people. Oh, you, you, you just missed me many of us, let me close by saying this. Let me close by saying this. That many of us choose our friends by their abilities. By what they're capable of doing. Because that's where our eyes can see. So when you check your contacts, it's people that fit into your life or you can gain something from. Just imagine that was Ruth's decision. Ruth had to have spiritual eyes to say to Naomi, I know you're a failure, but Girl, Mom, Madam, where you die, I die. Where you go, I go, Your God will be my God. How does a woman make her say to another woman who is a failure that the God she serves seemingly has killed her husband and two children, but someone has insight enough to say. What happened to you does not actually mean who God is. There's something about you that says, I will follow you even where you die. And that God that you don't even like will be my God. And she chose her by spiritual insight. And she became the great grandmother of Jesus Christ. But she was rich. If you're looking for riches, it's in Christ. Not in the people you acquire That is taking from you and killing you. My entire message. We got to clean up. Because God is not looking for a house that men build. He's looking for a house that he can live in not according to your dictates, not by you choosing what you want to choose. Men don't choose based on her pedigree, how beautiful she is, how built she is. She's an investor. Women don't choose according to height, bulk, build, bravery. Choose According to wisdom, insight in God. Because a man that is nothing today is actually on his way to greatness. A woman that doesn't look like that. And you know what? When God blesses you, everything can change. Okay. You have no idea what the blessing of God can do. We've adopted a daughter in October. I said this before. I can show you her picture in October. Many of you even have the picture. I can show you how she is now. Still in the orphanage. Just a few moments before we take her out of that and they sign the documents. But she's head and shoulders in beauty and looks above all her contemporaries. She didn't ask for it. Somebody in her lineage called her favor when she had no father, no mother and the favour of God had followed us because she would not be my choice my wife said so she would not be my choice but when God is in the business of destiny he will open your eyes to see beyond what is allowed and say I'm taking you to a higher height
0: you've been listening to Tai Adashugba Pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church We hope you enjoyed this message For further inquiries visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way N19 3RQ Archway, London